Hello everyone and welcome back to Fast Charge. Uh, we might be looking a little different this week if you're watching us on YouTube. Our normal software provider has kind of had a bit of a uh, falling in on itself. <laughs> so we are on Microsoft Teams this week. Nothing wrong with Teams, but it doesn't do all the things we usually do with Zoom. So uh, Lewis is sitting floating in the corner off on his own. I've got half the screen, I think. Uh, the other guys are fighting for the other half between them. Uh, so sorry that it looks a bit weird. We'll be back to normal next time. Uh, so, yeah, I am joined by Lewis, who is going to be manning the chat if you're there on YouTube. And then otherwise you will see, hopefully, Toddy and Chris. Hello. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so we've had a fairly busy week, or rather we just had one specifically busy day this week when both Xiaomi and Google held their events on the exact same day. Um, Xiaomi had to blame for that. Google had that date first and Xiaomi just muscled in and said, now we're going we're gonna to do that too, mate. <laughs> <laughs> so we have the new Xiaomi Mi 10T series, which are kind of like a slightly cheaper uh, sort of second gen version of the Mi 10. And then obviously we have the Pixel 5 and the Pixel 4a 5G, along with a couple of googly things. And then finally, we're going to end the show talking a little bit about the Oppo Reno 4 series, which is old news depending on which market you're in, but they are coming to Europe finally. Uh, already some of the Reno 4s, my understanding is there are loads of them, uh, and we're just getting a, a small little little selection. Um, before we go into the show proper, though, there is a little bit of naming and shaming that has to be done <laughs> at the top end today. Uh, look at Toddy grinning, he knows. Uh, Toddy, what, 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 what big tech upgrade did you make today? So, we talked about 5G on the show before, you know, it is the latest technology uh, for networking, it is going to revolutionise IoT, um, and, and with that in mind, I thought I would make the jump to 4G. <laughs> because uh this is my t-mobile sim which i took out my my phone today yes it's 2020 i've been on a 3g contract since before ee the network i currently use existed um and yeah i just didn't upgrade because they never offered uh unlimited data and that was kind of like the one thing i was like i can't give up this contract because it's the only way i can get unlimited data and like their coverage and all this other stuff um, mm -hmm. But obviously now 5G's here, their 4G plans have gotten a way cheaper, so it's actually cheaper than my old plan, and it's 4G, so now I have the latest and greatest 4G. Um, so yeah, just expect those tweets to come at you that much faster now, everyone. I can't wait. Yeah. I mean, the funny thing is, we've actually spoken about this before while you've been on 3G, yeah. and actually your speeds aren't that bad, because you're the only person on the 3G network, yeah. so you've got all that bandwidth. Yeah, it's all my, it was all mine. <laughs> But I finally, yeah, finally took the punch. Also, yeah, in London, like, you know, when we were in the office, do you remember those days? Yeah, uh, yeah I, I didn't really have any issues with with speed and streaming and everything. So, yeah, but now I feel it's probably time to put the old pink Timo sim out to pasture. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I've made the jump. I'm living in the future, guys. It's amazing. <laughs> when when we, do you think you'll be on 5G? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just I just kept it very quiet and was using like a work phone that still had like a running sim that wasn't even mine, like going in. I was like, yeah, yeah, this is my own, my, my 4G sim. Um, yeah. So I just, I just, I, I hoodwinked you all uh, until this very moment. Yeah. I was going to say, I, I only just found out. Yeah, I know, I know. I'm sorry. I lied to you for all these, all these months. Chris. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's it. I've just hit my one year anniversary with you guys, Tech Advisor. And uh, yeah, now I can finally reveal my true form. <laughs> Drop that bombshell. Uh, right, okay. Well, from, from, from here on, we are now going to talk 5G. So please take everything Toddy says about networking with a pinch of salt. Yeah, it's all right. I'll be, I'll be on 5G. On I'll be on 5G soon. Just like 2040, <laughs> I'm thinking I'll make the jump. Uh -huh. So yeah. 
Uh, but yeah, as Toddy has made the jump to 4G, Google has hit 5G. We have the first 5G Pixel phones in the Pixel 5, not G, and the Pixel 4a 5G. Um, why 5G makes it into one name and not the other, ask Google. Um, but yeah, we have two new phones. Um, I think the main sort of headline thing here is that this looks like a repositioning of the Pixel line between both of these phones. It looks like they've learned the lessons of the 3a and 4a, which I think certainly from the US have been bigger successes than their actual flagships, both in terms of press coverage to some extent and probably sales. And what it looks like they're doing is repositioning the Pixel, particularly the Pixel 5, when you compare it to the 4. It's actually dropped in specs in several respects, particularly dropping some of the flashy stuff. I'm thinking like solely the radar stuff. It's dropping some of the big flashy high-end... Um, killer features that no other phone has, but that maybe consumers didn't actually respond to, and is instead just focusing on delivering kind of a more mid-range device, but that nails maybe those core specs that actually matter to people when they're using a phone. Does that sound fair? Yeah. Yeah. I think so, yeah. It's it's an interesting move just on on certain levels. I think it's what needed to happen uh, in terms of this repositioning, but I do wonder... I'm kind of confused as to where Google sees the Pixel, the flagship Pixel 5 now, um, because like in certain sense, it still looks like it's trying to be pushed as like the iPhone competitor, maybe specifically the iPhone 11 competitor, like the lower level yeah. iPhone competitor. Um, in another regard, it is just for the Pixel fans, the Google fans, and you know it, it and that's because it, it kind of lags behind in so many other areas versus the rest of the market. So. Uh, Whilst I think it, it has appeal, it's definitely last year and this year really they they haven't really captured I think the attention and like the kind of the favour of geeks and just you know general users alike. Yeah, it definitely. This is clearly them. It's a bit of a mere culpa after the fall, which wasn't well received. But yeah, I think that that question about how they're positioning it is the right one because. The Pixel's always been a bit of an enigma in the tech space, I think, in that people have looked at this phone line and not... Even before this, people have often asked, what is the point of these phones? What's Google trying to get out of making the Pixels? Because they weren't really selling very well. And I always took the line that these were basically meant to be... Um, it was almost like a loss leader, where they, Google was saying, here's the best an Android can be. We're going to make that set a bar. And also to take away that crown from Apple, where Apple could say, oh, the best camera's on an iPhone. There was always the pixel there to say, ah, no, it's not. Um, and it didn't matter that no one bought them because it added authority to other Android phones around it. It added this software benchmark for other manufacturers to sort of chase after and stuff like that. Um, this feels like maybe it's Google finally selling, saying like, okay, but also we need to sell some phones. <laughs> like we can't just make them. We need to sell them too. And they've maybe admitted that there's a, oh, even Google has a point where it will stop throwing money at this just to be able to hold flashy launches and show off cool hardware. And it actually has to turn a profit on them eventually. What a crazy it, it, concept. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny that you describe the Pixel phones as a, as a loss leader, just because I, it makes me think of the Nexus phones. They were real loss leaders. They were mm. amazing phones at ridiculously low prices, which yeah. is now something that you only really find from, from the Chinese manufacturers like Xiaomi, who we'll be getting into in a bit. Yeah, the Mi 10T pricing is crazy. <clears throat> yeah. Um, 
Uh, the Pixel 5 specs, should we just highlight some of the, the big takeaways? Like, yeah, let's the, main, the, the main thing being it's not a flagship chip in the in the conventional sense. It's a Snapdragon 765G, I think it's a G model. Um, yeah. So same as what you find in the OnePlus Nord, which is a, what, 380, 90-pound phone, somewhere around yeah. there, roughly. Okay. And this is coming in, in the UK at least, at 599. Um, there's just the one SKU as well, I should say. $699 in the US, yeah. so if you're want the dollar benchmark so it's, uh, and yeah it's just eight gig ram 128 gig storage right that's the one setup yeah so that's more ram than we've ever had in a pixel phone but it's still relatively speaking pretty kind of middle of the road mm-hmm. um the screen is full hd 96 inch that's not really groundbreaking they've got rid of the motion sense from the pixel 4 series front facing camera is just i think a standard eight meg unit um mm-hmm. In many ways, this is also just kind of fixing the missteps of the Pixel 4. So as well as the motion sense, you know, we've got that. Uh, they've swapped the telephoto, which is a pretty unexciting two times optical zoom last year for a, an ultra wide yeah. um, 16 meg sensor, which is nice. Uh, I think people will like that. Um, they've finally put a big battery in a Pixel. This one has a 4000 and something, I think maybe 4080 or 4000 milliamp mm-hmm. battery. So it should actually be good for a day's use without worrying about it it's and, and for context that may not sound like a giant battery you can buy <laughs> no. four and a half thousand five thousand but that is a big step up from last year's models yeah it was like two thousand something wasn't it inside the yeah. smaller pixel 4 yeah, yeah. below three thousand before yeah crazy um and then what reverse wireless charging and mm. that's about it on the hardware that really kind of i remember from yesterday's launch there wasn't anything else that was really grabbing me about the hardware beyond that no but it definitely is, I think, like you said, it, it's fixing the mistakes. The things, if you wanted to summarize, I guess, like the three dings you might give the Pixel 4, the obvious ones would be terrible battery life. A telephoto was the wrong second lens to add. And Solly is cool, but very, very rarely useful. And you just can tell that's part of the reason the battery was so bad as well. And it was <laughs> clearly part of the problem and part of the pricing issues. So it, it definitely just swapping all those three as a way of saying, okay, we know all the big mistakes we made last year. We're going to fix all of those in one fell swoop. Uh, throw in 5G, it stick with the 765 g which means it might technically even be a bit slower than last year's Pixel 4 in some, but not in a meaningfully, not in an important way. Uh, but it means they can hit 5G without having to hit an 800, 900 pound price point. There is a little thing I found out about the 5G just before we started recording, actually. Um, if you, Those who were there for my Note 20 Ultra coverage might remember my, my gripes with the um, different markets having different processes. Um, here, uh, with the Pixel 5, you're going to get different 5G support depending on different markets. So the US Pixels, for the most part, Pixel 5s, and I don't know about the 4A 5Gs, but we can look into that, um, actually will support both uh, sub-6 and millimeter wave 5G. Mm-hmm. Whereas the one in the UK, for example, is only ever going to be sub six. So in terms of future proofing and as these 5G networks evolve over the next year or two and the faster speeds of millimeter wave come into play. Yeah. UK owners, even if, you know, if you travel over to the US, you're not going to be able to leverage those even faster 5G speeds, but you're going to be paying the same price, which is a little bit annoying. Um, it's worth flagging, to be fair, Google is not the only company doing that. No, um, no, true. It's not, yeah, the, the, that has been a bit of a common thing because millimeter wave is coming to Europe, but it hasn't, it isn't here in a big way. We've All the European carriers pretty much went in on sub six early and millimeter wave is down the line, whereas the US has had a mix of both. Um, but yeah, it is, it is a shame because for me, a lot of the argument for 5G is a future proofing thing. Buy a 5G phone now because it's not great now, but it will be in a year or two. But very frustrating if you're buying one now, but actually... 
you don't get to benefit from a lot of the network enhancements that come in in the next two years because your phone doesn't do millimeter wide. I feel that's particularly important with a Pixel device over like another smartphone because obviously like one of the other advantages of buying Pixel is long-term software support. Exactly. <laughs> so you're, you're kind of expecting to use it for multiple years more than maybe another brand's phone. Though I do want to pick on the thing you just said about how you're paying the same price because mm. actually that is one of the things that's kind of interesting because in a way you're not and the pricing this is a nice segue into the 4A 5G but um, the 4A 5G, which I think Chris can run us through in more detail, that costs £499 or $499. The Pixel hmm. 5 is £599, $699. So it's a $200 gap or a £100 gap. So actually, if you're in the US, you're kind of overpaying for your Pixel 5 <laughs> or yeah. underpaying for your, your 4A 5G, depending which way you look at it. Either way, it means if you're, we'll sort of run through the 5G specs now, but my takeaway right from the get-go is if you're in the US, it makes no sense to go for the 5, because the 4A 5G will deliver 90% of what you want, and the $200 doesn't get you enough bang for your buck. And in the UK, it's the flip side, actually. The extra stuff you're getting is probably worth 100 quid. Fair. Not 200. Fair. Yeah, is, is that price difference because of the 5G thing? I, th- I can't imagine that component cost is enough to drive 100 dollar 100 pound price shift it's just going to be which bits of um i don't know because it's not i I don't know how much it's a hardware thing it's a question of they'll both run because they're running the snapdragon chips that the 765g has an integrated 5g modem anyway so it's got an integrated modem and then it's about which other qualcomm i think it's basically about which antennas you put in Right. I think that's right. essentially the hardware difference. Is They both have the same modem that's compatible with millimeter wave, but it's whether you put the antenna in that will pick it up. I do not think millimeter wave antenna are going to be worth 100 bucks per piece of hardware. That sounds crazy. Yeah, I don't know. I, I saw an article earlier saying that Google could have done it at the lower, at 599, but decided not to. But I didn't have time to actually yeah. read it to, to find out more. Um, I suspect it's yeah. more market positioning, and they want to more clearly... I think it probably comes back down to this question of the aggressiveness of the different markets in that we have a very aggressive mid-range market. So maybe they feel better positioned throwing more phones at mid-range in the UK and Europe. Whereas in the US, they don't. So they'd rather have the differentiation, have that clear sense of 4A and 4A 5G are going to dominate the Android mid-range in the US. And then the 5 can look a bit more like an iPhone 11 rival, even if on paper it's not. There aren't many other mid-range US phones I can think I would want to recommend over either of those, either of the 4As right now. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, Chris, what is the 4A 5G? And is it closer to a 4A or is it closer to a 5? Uh, It's It's in a funny space. Yes, it's so confusing. I think um, Alex did um, his strapline for the sort of rumors article, you know, ahead of the announcement was if the... 4a and 5 had a baby and i think that's pretty a good summary because it's it's a 4a in some ways um but it's also sort of a 5xl in the others or a 4a xl if you like but so you know if you were thinking it's just the 4a with 5g it's not it's got the same processor as the 5 it's got a much bigger screen than both of those phones at Mm -hmm. 6.2 inch or 6.24 um and it's got the ultra wide camera, same as the five, um, and a much bigger battery. So it is, um, it's the biggest of the three. Um, so sort of 
seems maybe strange that they didn't put the XL branding on it that people are used to. Um, yeah. And the fact that it's called the 4A, you know, with just 5G on the end makes, you know, makes it sound like it's the same as the 4A, but with 5G, but it's 150 quid more. Um, but what you're not getting versus the 5 is yeah. it's not the high refresh, right? No, it's you're not getting the 90 screen. hertz, yeah. Uh, you're it's not slightly less it RAM, gigabit- it's 6 gig, yeah, not 8 six. Uh, It covers slightly different 5G bands. Um, so if you're going to get nerdy about 5G band support, it's not quite as extensive as the 5. Uh, the, slightly the battery is slightly smaller. Yeah, 3,800. 3, oh, you don't have uh, wireless charging as well. That's the other. No, wireless charging, yeah. yeah. I mean, generally speaking, those are pretty minor, I'd say. The 5G thing yeah. might irk some people, but overall, that's not. I didn't really realize just quite how similar they are. This yeah. Is, this is why for the US, the 5 feels like a really weird buy, unless yeah. you really need wireless charging or something. Um, I think if you're if you're techy enough to be listening or watching this show, you'll probably appreciate those things like wireless charging or the high refresh rate enough that it might be worth that hundred pound difference mm. in the UK. But even then, like the average consumer, you know, again that old thing of like my mum wants a phone, I would tell her to get the four A five G over the five if that was the decision she was making because the differences you get are the things most people won't even notice. I actually saw I can't remember who it was now. Um, someone tweeted that like still it's still the case that actually the most important pixel in the lineup is the base 4a because if you gave the average person on the street all three phones they probably wouldn't be able to tell you even after a week of use they probably couldn't tell you what was different <laughs> between the 5 and the 4a and that'd what be interesting yeah bucks, you know? that'd be a good experiment yeah just uh checking over the specs as well the titan m chip i was like maybe that the security is not as good but that's in the 4a 5 4a yeah. 5g as well um also yeah. it does have a headphone jack which the 5 doesn't. Right. So yes, it does. Yeah, both the 4A and the 4A 5G have headphone jacks. So if you still right. want a headphone jack, that's actually the better option yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. It's a bit mad. That I mean, mad. it only comes in black for now. I mean, the, there is a white model, but it looks like it's going to come out next year or something. Um, yeah. And I really like the Sage Green um, 5. I'm really surprised they didn't <laughs> bring out a white either of them at launch because I feel like that's always the color yeah. that people love is the white one. Especially so with the accented the, power button. On the 5, funnily enough, that might be Verizon's fault. Um, <laughs> oh, no. There is a, in the US, mm. you can pay 799 for the Pixel 5 UW, which is the Verizon Ultra Wideband oh, wow. exclusive, and that's in Oh, um, wow. So they've got the color exclusivity uh, as well, man. Verizon, yeah. like, and I it's can't got believe. band support for Verizon's ultra wideband thing, whatever that is. I don't so know. many manufacturers just have to make a Verizon specific version of their phones. It's mad because of their network. And a hundred bucks more. And it's yeah. the same for the, the Galaxy FE, the S20 FE. Same thing, hundred bucks more for the Verizon UW version. Um, it's a really interesting quirk that we don't have over here. Um, we'll move on in a minute. I just wanted to pick up on a couple quick things off when, Toddy, you mentioned the Titan M core chip. Mm. So we didn't say. Both of these are rear fingerprint scanners. So yeah. again, another Pixel 4 thing that got fixed. They dropped the fingerprint scanner and went full face ID like Apple did. And a year later, they, having removed the solid stuff, they then also removed all the cameras that were driving up. So they've had to like remove all that face unlock tech and go back to a fingerprint scanner. For me, that's a positive change. Yeah. Um, but you may I, see it differently. I'd say the face unlock was good on the 4, but it, it was, was good. It was all right. But I would but, actually prefer the, the rear fingerprint sensor, I think. I want fingerprint sensor and face unlock, and if I have to pick, I want the fingerprint sensor. Yeah. 
Um, and the other thing is one weird little thing that people have spotted. There doesn't seem to be any mention of the Pixel Neural Core in any of Google's spec sheets. Even on um, the 5? Yeah. Huh. It looks like they've just quietly not included that, which makes you wonder what it was doing before <laughs> that they can do now with what's technically a slower processor. Well, there's also the... Uh, with the camera, the cameras, I can't wait for review time for both of those phones because uh, the Pixel 4a camera was amazing, right, Chris? Like, it was pretty solid, I imagine. Yeah, but, I mean, at that, yeah... At for that, that price, price point, and yeah, of course. Even for sort of forgetting the prices, yeah, I'm still using it now, and yeah, I love it. Yeah, I wonder what, A, I wonder what the hardware is, whether it's still the same IMX363 12 meg sensor that they had in the Pixel 3 and 4, or whether they finally jumped that sensor up. And also, as we mentioned before, obviously these phones would have been in development already, but some of the lead image engineers at Google left yeah. right after the 4 launch. Um and I know like the, the lead guy who was on stage at the time talking about astrophotography, if you remember that yep. launch, he's now working at Adobe on a universal camera app that might do some cool stuff. Um, I wonder just how different, if at all, the camera processing or anything that's going on in that main sensor is going to be on these these new pixels. Mm. Very, very curious to see mm. uh, We'll move to Jamie in a sec. I just thought we might as well quickly talk about the other two products Google launched. Uh, we won't dwell on them for too long. First up, um, because maybe less exciting of the two, the Nest audio speaker. This is basically the... Oh, Chris was... It oh, look at it. Like, it's <laughs> tiny. I didn't realize how small yeah, it was. It's smaller than like it was going to be. Show and tell, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, it's basically a Google Home 2. It's a follow-up to the original Google Home, right? But complete redesign, Nest branding. They yeah. say it's louder and more bass. But it's a weird one because they didn't talk about any new smart features or anything. It's just it's better audio, but there was no talk of any of the Google side of it being better at all. I mean, Mark Ronson listened to Valerie on it, so I'm I'm, I'm convinced. <laughs> I'm sold. <laughs> yep, I don't. I'm sold. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't like the design personally. I don't think it's it's very good. It's not my vibe. Yeah, it's it's sort of strange. It doesn't sort of fit in. Like obviously, it looks like the mini in terms of it being covered in fabric. Yeah, but it doesn't really look like a. It looks like a sort of somebody else made a speaker that looks a bit like a nest <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. it's mostly the shape like the obviously the fabric looks google it's more the shape of it that doesn't seem yeah. to fit with the mini or the max um yeah but i mean it's at, i've been listening to it today and it sounds pretty good yeah is it, is it i was hoping it was going to have a battery sound? in it i don't know actually i haven't got that far mm. um but um i was hoping it was going to have a battery in it and be portable but it doesn't shame yeah some of the early teas and the leaked materials and stuff made it look like that was going to be the case, but no. yeah. Um, so it's a bit of a boring one. I was I was hoping for I was waiting for more exciting things to be revealed like that, and then it was like oh, it's just a slightly louder one. Yeah, fine, okay. Yeah. Um, more interesting is the Chromecast, which uh, I believe is the Chromecast with Google TV. Um, <laughs> yeah. Great branding. Awful branding, especially because what it's actually running is Android TV, uh, <laughs> but with a new skin on top which I guess is now going to be called Google TV, but Android TV is also still a thing. Um, I don't know anymore. What's the worst because... What's the worst naming? Is it that? Is it the Galaxy S20 FE fan edition, or is it the Poco X3 NFC? What's the worst name product of the three? I'm not sure. They're all bad. I, I did get. I did realize what the point with the Poco is, to be fair. Yeah. It doesn't really improve things, but it's that the Indian version of the phone doesn't yeah. have NFC, and it has a bigger battery instead. So in India, it's the Poco X3. 
and everyone else gets the Poco X3 NFC. I feel like putting it in the name, though, still, that's just yeah, a bit no, on the nose. It's, 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 <laughs> that was the last week conversation, though, anyway. That was the previous week. <laughs> equally awful. Tech branding. Get it together, guys. Um, yeah, so this yeah, Chromecast... The, the Google is, TV thing is weird. It's, it's a whole new... I've never actually used any Android TV things, so I don't know what they're like. But people have said the new... The people who've tried it, this, this, this got everything got leaked, but this got the most leaked because people were just buying them two weeks ago um, <laughs> from Home Depot and stuff like that. But it looks like a nice OS. Uh, it looks pretty easy to use. It's got a remote now, which actually looks like a nicely designed remote. It looks a lot nicer than, say, the Apple TV remote, I think, um, or at least a lot more useful. Um, but I, I think we just all kind of wanted to talk about it so we could rag on it for not supporting Stadia, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which everyone's clamoring for, guys, right? Right, guys? <laughs> yeah, I really want more Stadia in my life. But it is so weird. This is their flagship subscription service game streaming thing. They made a huge push for it. It obviously didn't go great. We all know Stadia's not done what Google wanted it to do, and they haven't delivered the support they promised they were going to deliver. But it feels like they're already giving up on it because they just, you know, the whole thing was that before you could own the only Chromecast you could use with the Chromecast Ultra, they've launched a new Chromecast device. That does most of the same things the Ultra does, and there's no official stadium support. I mean, they, it's they basically would... <laughs> the Ultra with a remote control and a user interface, yeah, but doesn't support because it's still 4K HDR, all the same sort of specs. Um, but yeah, uh, it got questioned in the briefing, and they just said Stadia is a priority for us, and yeah. it's sort of just we want it to be ready, and so they're bringing it. They will bring it to the the Chromecast with Google TV um, <laughs> next in the first half of next year, which is sort of a six month window is quite big, but um, so it will come, but for, for now the ultra is going to stay on sale and that's actually more expensive. And what so, makes this even weirder is uh, we haven't tested this ourselves. I don't think we have the Chromecast yet. It's on its way to Chris, but I don't think it's arrived yet. The Verge got their hands on one and they say that they successfully sideloaded Stadia onto this thing and it ran fine. So hardware-wise, it works. <laughs> yeah. And Google has yeah. just made the decision not to ship it with Stadia support, even though it could. It could just... So weird. My guess is it's something like it, it, it doesn't work smoothly with the remote or something. It doesn't fit the, the, the aesthetic of the Google TV OS. I don't know. Some little bit of software polish like that that they want to mm. fine-tune. Um, that's you the only about... sensible thing I can come up with. What do you guys think the about thing the colors? To... <laughs> The I mean, the, of... the colours make no sense for the actual dongle because they're, you know, going to sit behind your TV. But I suppose yeah. they're quite nice for the remote. Apparently, even the batteries that for the remote are colour matched as well, which seems ridiculous. That's <laughs> like the ones that come colours. in the box. I've only seen the white one. I wasn't paying enough attention during that bit of the stream. So, what are the other options? Oh, well, the uh, colours. There's. Yeah. You go, Chris. There's, <laughs> uh, well, sky and. Is it Sunset, the other one? Uh, yeah, Sunset. Sort of I don't know why you want peachy. like a weirdly off orange peachy dongle sticking out the back of your TV. Someone made the comparison to the Plumbus from Rick and Morty, and I was like, oh no, I can't unsee it now. <laughs> this, this, this sort of baby pink and baby blue. Yeah, very Sorry, strange. I'm not, that, I don't understand. They're sort of similar. The, the peachy pinky one is sort of similar to the, the Nest Mini and um, mm. hub that come in that color, but it has a different name. I'd it's chalk, it, isn't it? And then there's their like color names. Coral. It's coral on the nest. Coral, yeah. yeah. Um, but um, they've their colors are shown. We mentioned it with the pixels, but their colors have been off for this year as well. Because if you look at the nest audio, it comes in five colors. 
but the UK yeah. is only getting charcoal and chalk, the white and black oh. ones. Um, I can only assume this is COVID manufacturing supply chain stuff that's, that's kicked mm. in, but they, you know, given that normally that part of their thing is coming out with interesting colors and they, they lean into color more than most other tech companies, I think, actually, for their hardware. And it definitely feel like feels like something's gone really wrong for them in the production process for, for the various colors. So depending on your market, you may be getting different color options to what we're talking about. And um, all the nice colored Nest audios aren't coming to the UK, at least. The last thing to note about the Chromecast is that unlike the Ultra, it doesn't have an Ethernet adapter on the power um, oh. on the on the power adapter. So the Ultra, I, I've not got the Ultra, but it, apparently it has yeah. an Ethernet port. Um, mm. So that if your Wi-Fi is a bit rubbish, you can you can stream Stadia without issues. Um, but the Chromecast with Google TV does not come with that. But you can apparently, again, according to the Verge article, I think it was, um, they managed to use a third-party USB-C adapter. Mm. So, okay. But so out of the box, it's Wi-Fi only, which again could be another reason yeah. they're hesitant about Stadia. They want to yeah. make sure it's going to run smoothly. But Stadia needs to work on Wi-Fi, so. <clears throat> Yeah, it can't be an Ethernet-only service. <laughs> no, <laughs> weird, weird mess, and it looks especially bad for them. I don't definitely don't want to talk about it in detail, but the fact that Amazon launched their uh, Luna uh, game streaming service at the Amazon event last week, um, which we just missed on the show actually, so we could have talked about Amazon today, but that was mostly just more smart speakers, and then this Luna game streaming thing, and a terrifying camera <laughs> drone that lives inside your house and follows you wherever you go. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Oh, Amazon. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I think that's enough googly Googleness for today. Um, I'd like to turn to Xiaomi next, which I, I actually found it really interesting that we have the Xiaomi and the Google events on the same day. Because the Google thing was about how we're doing, you know, we're going focusing back on core specs, we're delivering solid specs at a lower price than last year's phones. But it came hours after Xiaomi said, I will just give you flagship specs and do it at like a budget price. It's fine. <laughs> we don't really mind. We don't need your money anyway. Um, yeah, but the Mi 10T series, I, Xiaomi always prices pretty competitively, but I think we were all still really surprised by the pricing they managed to hit with these funds. Yeah, for sure. It's like um, we know they're going to do it, and then it's still a surprise. <laughs> yeah. So there are three Mi 10T phones. These are basically follow-ups follow up to the Mi 10 series, uh, they come a few months later, but they're designed to run a little bit cheaper. But then they still actually, they kind of tweak the specs around. They're not lower specs, they're just differently specced, but run a little cheaper overall. We have a Mi 10T Lite, a Mi 10T, and a Mi 10T Pro. Um, the Lite is interesting mostly because it's dirt cheap. It's €279, Euros, and they're doing it even, for even less than that as an early bird thing. Um, for that, you're getting a 120Hz display. You're getting the first phone in the world to use the Snapdragon 750G processor. And then you're getting just a lot of the same specs that are in the, the higher up Mi 10T phones. Uh, the other two start from 500 euros and 600 euros respectively. But for that, you're getting 144 hertz refresh rate. So that's the refresh rate we've only seen in gaming phones before, basically. You're getting very, very, very solid camera specs. You're getting Snapdragon 865. Um, lots of RAM, very big batteries. They've all, I think, got 5,000 milliamp hour batteries. Um, certainly the Mi 10T and the Mi 10T Pro do. They've all got 33 watt wired charging. 
These are just very high spec devices at very <laughs> mid range prices. But we're right. Uh, <laughs> you should be in marketing. So we, we, we can't surpass this. We've done it. Thanks for watching, guys. <laughs> <laughs> the best That's it for that week. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, I'm really impressed by these. I'm particularly curious about the decision to go all in on 144 hertz because these aren't the first phones to do that, but they're the first ones that are doing it and aren't pushing themselves as gaming phones. Yeah, I think the only one we'd already reviewed was the Red Magic 5G or one of the Red Magics of, of late. Yeah, I think um, so, yeah. Reviews on the site, check it out. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. I think they are... they. As you say, Chris, like we know it's coming, but it always surprises us when it actually hits. <laughs> yeah, and this feels particularly the, aggressive. Yeah, you can get the light. Um, they've got like a flash sale, early bird type price for two hundred and forty nine euros. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. What was that like? That's just mad. Thirty quid, forty quid. I don't know. It's good though. It's really good. And it's yeah, for crazy. that you're getting uh, a quad camera setup with a 64 megapixel main lens, which should be a good 64 megapixel main lens. It's still 120 hertz display, 6.67 inches. Um, uh, it's just under 5,000 milliamp hours the battery in that one, 4,820, uh, and 33 watt wired charging. What I will say of the light is that it's actually very, very similar. I still have it here. Very similar to the Poco X3 that we were talking about. In fact, in terms of design, particularly. The, uh, they have the same camera module, so the, the Mi 10T Lite looks different to the Mi 10T and the Mi 10T Pro. It actually looks much closer to the Poco X3. They have fairly similar specs across the board. Um, the main change is just the, uh, the Snapdragon processor. They actually, I think it might be the same panel, because they're both 120Hz and 6.67 inches. So this really, the Lite feels like a slightly souped up Poco X3. And using the X3 as a guy, because you reviewed that, Dom, right? Like, the camera's decent. Camera's very good. Yeah. Very, so... very good. I've been very impressed by the camera on, on the, the Poco X3. They are slightly different camera setups. It's not exactly the same, but um, broadly similar. I think they might be the same main sensor, but I would have to check that. Um, but, yeah, I, the, the Poco X3 I've loved. I, I think it's a very, very impressive phone. And pretty much my only minor gripes of the way it looks with the Poco logo in big letters and uh, the fact that it's a bit thick and heavy. So actually, if the if the uh, Mi 10T Lite just runs a little bit smaller and it doesn't say Poco in capital letters on the back. Uh, It'd be a bit strange if it said Poco on the back. It would be weird if it did. Uh, no, it doesn't. And it's actually, actually, the Mi 10T Lite also has a really nice finish, if I'm thinking of the right one. Yeah, I can't remember what they called it, what the silly name is, but it's got a finish that is kind of teal at the top of the phone and with a gradient down to a sort of very pale orange at the bottom. Sounds nice. I'm really Googling cool. it now. Um, it's really interesting. Oh, yeah, that is cool. I like it. It definitely yeah. looks like a is Poco it, uh, X3. Wow. Are they, are they <laughs> shiny, shiny, though? They look like very similar phones. They've also all got the same side-mounted fingerprint scanner that's on the Poco. Um, I will say that was one of the things I have not been impressed by in reviewing the Poco. It has not been a good fingerprint scanner. It has struggled to detect my fingerprint quite a lot of the time and is also misdetect you know if you grab the phone the wrong way it detects an attempt to register your fingerprint and then buzzes at you angrily or like half the time i'd go to pick the phone up to unlock it and it would say i'd failed to unlock it too many times so i had to do my pin and it was just because you know my wrist had touched the fingerprint scanner or the wrong finger had touched it when i was just picking it up or moving it around but admittedly that is something that that could be fixed in like a software update as well 
Like yeah. that is the kind of thing that can be tweaked if it's not a hardware issue, which hopefully it isn't. Um, I guess the biggest other barrier for like recommending these phones, obviously we haven't tested them yet, but assuming they deliver on everything that Jamie says they, they can do, mm-hmm. uh, would probably just be my UI, me UI, their, their me user UI, interface, yeah. their Android overlay. Um, most of the reviewers I know in the West who've tested any of Xiaomi's and Xiaomi's sub-brand phones, that's really where their, their kind of umbrage lies is just with the, the user experience. It's just a little bit behind some of the more progressive Chinese phone makers in terms of the, how they're kind of adapting to Western tastes with a kind of cleaner user experience. Yeah. It's still a bit busy for my tastes. Uh, Certainly the Poco comes with a fair bit of bloatware, all or almost all uninstallable at least, but still there's a load of stuff, including like loads of third party games that are just pre-installed that I do not want on my phone. Um, I find it a bit busy as an OS. I haven't loved using it on the Poco. I would say one of my thoughts in reviewing the Poco was depends where you're coming from, because if actually you're coming from an iPhone or if you're thinking about recommending to a family member who's coming from an iPhone, a lot of the design choices they've made skew pretty close to iOS as it stands right now. Things like you swipe down from the left side of the screen to get notifications, but a swipe from the right side brings down the control center. Oh, wow. That is a literal lift. just lifted off iOS. <laughs> and it threw me at first, and I have been getting it wrong all the two weeks I've been on the Poco. I've been swiping the wrong way and getting frustrated that I can't find the Bluetooth toggle or, or my notification tray. But if you're coming for an iPhone, that's going to feel much more natural to you. Is that with a notch? Because the whole point in the iPhone having it is that one is one side of the notch and one is it's, the other. It's with a central console. Okay. So there's not, at least really. there's some sense to it. Yeah. Um, um, and the, yeah, they're sort of making the pixels look a bit silly, but I'd still pick a pixel partly, f- well, largely for the the software reason, yeah. just because I I love you know I'm a I'm a stock Android sort of purist. Um, well, and I just love. I like. I like yeah. the physical designs of the of the pixels as well. The 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 software point is, I think, absolutely it. It's just two different philosophies here, which is yeah, hardware versus software. Google is pitching. We've talked about the hardware changes, but really, the pix for the pitch for a pixel is so often just we've got the software. This is the best software experience you're going to get, or certainly up there. And Xiaomi is just pitching. We've thrown all the best hardware we can while still scraping a profit of selling them. And it's on. If you just look at them on paper, the pixels look awful, and the Mi 10Ts look like the best value phones you could imagine. And you know this sort of new like statement down, you know, gauntlet thrown. Can anyone make a better mid-range phone than this kind of thing? But yeah, the actual experience of using them, you might find you enjoy a pixel a lot more. You might find that the hardware differences aren't things that matter to you, and that the software differences are. And I'd also ask about the long-term software support there. You know what you're getting with Google. I, Even if they said it, I'd still be wary of Xiaomi saying like, yeah, we're definitely going to give you two years of you know OS yeah. updates and three years of security. Are you? Yeah. Are you though? <laughs> We've seen plenty of companies make promises like that and just not deliver at all. Yeah. Yeah. It's that comfort blanket, that trust, um, you know, that guarantee like you know and and the speed at which you're going to get those you know on a pixel you're going to be like i've you know i got android 11 on the 4a so fast mm-hmm. um you know you know it's going to happen yeah it was something that was uh it was a big question uh i was in a briefing for color os 11 oppo's android overlay a few weeks back and that was really the main question was which devices are getting it how soon are they getting it yeah. and uh what are, like how far into the future you're going to support these affected devices so yeah it was definitely an interesting uh 
it's an interesting question to consider when you're looking at these these uh, phones from brands that might not have the same level of trust in in markets outside the native China. Companies are, you know, realizing this. Some of them, at least, you know, OnePlus has always made a fuss about it. But again, one of the little tidbits they're drip feeding about the uh, the eight T is they've confirmed it's running Android eleven out of the box, um, and they want to always be there with that. We're one of the first people that support that, and they know that people care about that. Um, I think there was actually a funny thing someone spotted that Vivo might beat the Pixel 5 out with a phone that has Android 11 out of the box. Oh, the Vivo V20 <laughs> could be on sale before, just before the Pixel 5 and will have and has Android 11. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that long-term support is something you know you're going to get with Google. They've been very good about it and actually even beating what they say they're going to do. There have been some older Pixels that have been given updates that Google never said that they were going. They never promised to give those, but they clearly just realized, oh, this still runs on a Pixel 2. We'll still push it out then. Mm. Yeah, true, true. Um, okay, yeah. So I'm I'm very curious to play around with the Mi 10Ts. I've not used that many Xiaomi phones. That's why using the Poco X3 has been interesting for me. I don't know Mi UI all that well, but I'm quite keen to try and play around with these. I haven't used 144 hertz panel yet on a phone, so I'm curious if I I don't think I'm going to notice any difference from 120, but I would quite like the chance to try and find out. And yeah. I definitely think the light model is going to be a very strong contender for people at the lower end of the, the price market. Absolutely. Uh, okay, so waiting in, in, in the middle of all this is a set of phones I know literally nothing <laughs> about. Uh, the Oppo Reno 4 series has been floating around for a while. They've been announced for other markets before, I think. Today, uh, Oppo announced they are coming to Europe. Toddy has all the details. I have none of them. So, yeah, they announced uh, the day, the morning after the Google and the Xiaomi announcements. Um, you know, just as, as as Xiaomi launched three really solid mid-ranges and also a watch, which we have an article about. Oh, true, yeah. Uh, a very cheap but decent sounding watch at 99 euros, I think it is. Um, Oppo was like, hey, here's three fairly decent 5G phones and our watch as well is now coming to markets <laughs> outside of China. Um, and let's have... just make a point. You said it was this morning. So that actually means all three of these launches were within the 24-hour window. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. So, yeah, there's Very the watch. The, uh, moment, isn't it? <laughs> the, the watch, if you haven't seen it, looks exactly like an Apple Watch. Um, yeah. But at the same time, lots of people are already saying it's probably one of the best-looking like, Android-y watches um, out there, which is an interesting uh, comparison to make. Um, I guess the other thing to be said is that just to me, really confusing. The Reno Forest, like the Reno brand as a whole, has changed a lot. I think since it was first introduced, it was a flagship name when it launched. It was the devices that Oppo used to go, "Look, we're in 5G now with the Reno or the Reno 10X Zoom," which is another terrible name product. Um, <laughs> but the camera was decent, and it went up against the P30 Pro, I think it was at the time, and and really yeah. gave it like a, a run for its money. Yeah, it was yeah. really really solid. Um, that has now changed. Reno now, I think, is definitely like a premium mid-range is probably a best way of describing it especially at the upper end of what the reno 4 series is um i actually have the pro model here which is as you can see i don't know if i'm backwards on the cameras um but i thought i'd actually i haven't turned it on or anything yet so i'll, I'll give you some asmr mid <laughs> mid podcast if you're if you're ready also you're wearing like the official hoodie right <laughs> yeah i promise i'm not a shill they just sent a hoodie with it and it's really comfortable but Okay, to, to counter the hoodie, I'm not confident that these are going to be good recommendations for phones. So um, <laughs> here is the Galactic Blue. If, if you're watching, you can see. 
the the Reno Glow. They right, they patented the finish. Oh, that that cheap looking Ooh. glitter. Yeah, yeah. So they've 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 got. It's like someone uh, just painted body glitter over the back of a phone. <laughs> there's just there's actually. Some glitter. Oops. I'm kind of jumping ahead here, but they they dropped a secretly like third version of the the Reno Four Pro Five G, which is uh, green glitter and it's a Pantone certified like lime green jelly style glitter color is woof, it's a lot no i wanted to ask about this one because i did mm. see the picture of it yeah and while we're talking about bad branding and capital letters on the back of the phone does yes. this actually say the words green glitter like all the way down the side of the back of the phone i Quite think it does letters. i think it actually does yeah and it also has a little pantone stick in the bottom left as well it's it's like it's part color swatch part smartphone it's very it's confusing atrocious <laughs> do you know what, do you, do you I don't, know what actually I think don't mind happened. the color, but everything yeah. else about it, I hate. Yeah, it's like an apple think, green pizza. I, th- I think Oppo must have had like a bring your kid to work day, and like all the kids, <laughs> all the kids like spilt glitter everywhere and got jelly, and and then they were like, oh, we've got to just launch this phone now. <laughs> or they were like, what colors aren't phones? There's one. <laughs> yeah. No one's seen this on a phone before. Um, but yeah, so I think the blue is quite nice, and there's a space black, which has got like a kind of you know how like uh, fashion brands put their like logo, like Louis Vuitton. They have yeah. the O's and the P's of the Oppo logo like gradiated at the bottom of the phone's back. It's very strange. It's also terrible. Yeah, so, honesty. Um, does, it's not at all recognizable as anything to do with Oppo. No, no, it's, I, it's I, completely I, new. When I look. saw that picture, I assumed that was a design house partnership with some fashion house. I didn't recognize the logo of. Oh no, they they have a separate design partnership special edition as well in China. If you want to check that oh, out, good. that looks weird as well. I would definitely recommend if you're listening to this uh, on audio only, go look up the the Reno Four Pro in its various guises. It's quite a uh, interesting looking device, especially the more outlandish color colorways. Um, yeah. Confusingly, the Reno Four series I looked it up is about eight devices. We're getting three of them. There are phones called the Reno 4 and the Reno 4 Pro, but the ones we're getting are the 5G models, which are actually totally different phones. So, like, the camera setups are, look totally different on the back. They are different processors. Um, arguably, these are the better ones. Uh, both the Reno 4 and the 4 Pro come with a 765G, just like the Pixel 5. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that kind of gives you an idea of where they're trying to hit. Um, they have, I think, one of them, the, the, the Pro 5G, is their thinnest 5G phone to date at 7.6 millimeters, making it... Still second fiddle to, I think, Vivo or someone has a 7.49 mil 5G phone. Yeah. I think um, it was Vivo, but I can't remember which one. Maybe one yeah. of the X50s. Yeah. So they are, if you want a nice design, it's pretty good if you don't mind the weird colors. Um, beyond that, yeah, the, there's not a huge amount that really stuck out to me. I was like, wow, I'm really hyped about these phones. There's so many 765G powered phones out there right now. There's like a lot of choice mm. and I'm confused about the pricing as well. So there's, there's three phones that we're getting. So we have the Reno uh, 4 Pro 5G at the top end, and that is £699 in the UK, which mm. actually places it between the Oppo Find X2 Neo at £599 and the Oppo Find X2 at £899. So they just, they've probably got another one cooking up at £799 somewhere, which we'll see in the next week <laughs> or so. Um, so that's a, a weird, because they're kind of building this more as a mid-ranger than the Oppo range, but the, the Find X2 range, excuse me, but the Find X2 Neo is cheaper. Anyway, there's that. And then the regular Reno 4 is uh, 499, which sits below the Neo, yeah. but above the Find X2 Lite. The Find X2 Lite costs 399, and then the Reno 4Z 5G costs 329, making it 
Oppo's cheapest 5G phone ever. Did you follow all that? Did you? Not at all. Probably not. Not in the slightest. Basically, they are trying to flood the market with mid-range 5G phones that can all deliver various elements of design and camera and yeah. giving you no wiggle room to think of other brands. At every price point, there's an Oppo phone. Yeah. At that, guess, but then Xiaomi, I think, pretty much has just taken the sale, the wind out their sails in terms of the affordability aspect because of yeah. the 10T range. So it's quite awkward that Oppo's launch was the day after. <laughs> yeah, this doesn't look coming right right after the Mi 10T. Yeah, don't look competitive in that way at all. If it was just against um, the Pixels, they'd actually look quite exciting, I'd say. And it's definitely a confusing brand thing. Like you said, there's this weird space where you don't know how they're meant to relate to the Find X2s, how you're meant to decide whether, you know, what 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 makes a phone a Reno versus making it a Find X2. Because the Reno started out with, not all of them had it, but with the, the shark fin yep. pop-up, which at least was an identifiable, ah, oh, Reno's, they do that. And most of them did that. Now that's just seemingly completely gone out the window and they're back to very standard looking phones, which is fine. But it, again, I look and I say, I don't know. I don't know what makes a Reno for a Reno for. I mean, I guess it's that Oppo glow now, that Reno glow, that that painted finish. Yeah. Well, the other paint. thing I, I should say about that is, uh, and I guess first impressions, it is they describe it as fingerprint fingerprint proof, as in not just resistant, like it actually won't show fingerprints. So I'm really going to put that to the test. I'm going to get my hands like greasy, like put some Vaseline on there or something. I don't know, but yeah, right now I literally cannot get fingerprints on it, just like rubbing. And like I'm shining the phone in the light on the camera. Yeah. There's no marks. So it is kind that of doing that. Kind of like Teflon, I guess. Yeah. Um, oh, and they have 65 watt fast charging, which is pretty good for this price point. That's another big hook. Um, That's fair. But again, I don't know if these are things that are enough to wow the general consumer. I don't think they're going to be like, oh, that's what I need. No. I suppose the question is where are, where are people buying these from in the UK? Like, I was surprised they actually have better support uh, out the gate than I was expecting. Um, I think all three are going to be available across like Carphone, uh, Vodafone, EE, all the major carriers. Um, yeah. There are some They've color exclusivity things. Yeah. With the Find X2s as well. They're really the, pushing that. Uh, this year, I, I think, is say, really the year. Do, they... those, do those retailers also have those? Because if it's just the Oppo website that has like every single model, sure. then fair enough. That's That's like the place where you're going to get confused between them. But if retailers only got one or two, then people haven't got as much uh, to get confused about. But if they're stocking them all, then yes, yeah, too many and the naming systems don't really seem to work. Or the naming systems anything. are so weird. <laughs> and especially if they, I mean, they might even, who knows, they might even bring the non-5G versions in, which are different phones, despite yeah. the names being the same. So, Perversity might make sense for an inverse reason, kind of to what you said, Chris, which is if you are the techie consumer who kind of knows what they're looking for, you'll start looking at all of the oppos available and just get quickly lost like we just have, trying to make sense mm. of which one gives you what specs or what price and should you get a Reno or a Find X2 and or, or an Oppo A-series as well because the cheaper ones start bashing up against the, the, the more expensive A-series, their budget phones. But maybe this is them recognizing that the average person walking into Carphone Warehouse, uh, to anyone from outside the UK, that is the weirdly named, uh, it's the biggest like phone shop in the UK. I know it's got a weird name, I'm sorry. But Carphone Warehouse, they sold car phones once upon a time, it was a thing. Um, if you go into Carphone Warehouse, you don't know what an Oppo is, you don't know who Oppo are, you've never heard of Oppo. But maybe they're basically banking on, Carphone Warehouse has like eight Oppo phones in there. 
and whatever phone you walk up to and say, oh, I'm interested Bump in that, into one. Um, the, the shop assistant says, oh, well, for the same price, you could get this Oppo thing. And it's got this and this spec that's better than the Nokia you're currently looking at or whatever. You know, it, it's a kind of like you don't look for the Oppo, but they're there at every price tier for someone to say, if you want to spend this much money, ah, oh, there's an Oppo you might like. Right. I yeah. guess it's halfway between like Samsung strategy and just waterboarding. I don't know. <laughs> Somewhere like that. I, I guess, uh, yeah, I guess that works in store. I mean, I guess I was thinking like if you're browsing online, like just seeing. Well, like, how everyone will be with. right now. Yeah, well, so. yeah exactly. exactly. Online, online, yeah, maybe it's not going to help them. Uh, it's a weird strategy, but they're making a big push into Europe and it seems to be going all right for them. So I guess they clearly just think more and more and more phones. Is the is the approach? Yeah, the only works geek- for Samsung. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But then uh, I guess the like brand. geekly, the the cheapest one, the four Z, actually is the first phone outside of China with a Dimensity eight hundred, which is MediaTek's five G chip. We've only really been using or testing phones so far in our office, at least office virtual speaking, um, <laughs> in air quotes, uh, with Qualcomm chips that support five yeah. G. Um, so this is like one of the few. Uh, and Exynos, I guess. This is one of the few non-Qualcomm-based phones, the 4Z, which, um, yeah, features a 5G-capable MediaTek chip, which is could be interesting. Typically, MediaTek is the cheaper manufacturer. They make the slightly less powerful processors versus their Qualcomm counterparts. Um, but that is probably what allowed Oppo to get the price down as low as it did. Yeah. Um, but I don't think they're willing to cut into their own margins quite as much as Xiaomi, and that's probably going to be the undoing of phones like this. That's the thing. If you're playing that like specs game, yeah, uh, you're that's great as long as you're the person who's winning it. Um, <laughs> and net for, there's only first place, you know. Yeah. There's 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 nothing for coming in second. Whereas on brand there is, you know, different people can compete for being the recognizable brand because you know Samsung for one thing, you know Apple for another thing, you know Google for something else. If you're the company that delivers the best specs for the best price, if you're not best, then you might as well not be there. And uh, that's the thing, like, Xiaomi are willing to go so close on their margins. They make a big point. And again, during the Mi 10T presentation, they were saying this. I think it's 5% that if they, they claim it's that if they're making more than 5% Supposedly. profit per phone, then they, like, push that back in and, and cut the prices on the next line to return that to customers. Uh, you know, who knows? Um, very hard to assess whether that's true or not. But that's the claim they make. And, and they just say, yeah, we're basically very openly saying that they're a small margin, high volume manufacturer and they rely that they make them cheap and sell a lot of them. Mm. Yes. I hope in my brief overview, I just had a flashback to earlier that I don't come across like a shell. It's just a really comfy <laughs> hoodie. I swear. <laughs> I, remember, just, I think if you go back messing. to the first few episodes of this, when we were in the office, I'm sitting there with my bright red one plus water bottle next to me. <laughs> and like, oh no. And it's just, it's a good water bottle. that keeps my water cold. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, okay, I think that will do us mm. for this week. So thank you everyone for watching. Uh, next week, what is coming up? I believe I'm allowed to say that the, yes I am, the Realme 7s launch in the UK next week. I think they've already launched elsewhere. Or we know I think they were announced at IFA, I think it was when we first saw those. So yeah. But there's a UK launch or European launch event next week. So we'll be talking about that on the show next week, I think. Otherwise, it might be fairly quiet because it's the week before the week to end all weeks when <laughs> um, we probably the week after next, we have the Apple event, the OnePlus 8T definitely and Amazon prime day. 
So um, next week is sort of the, the quiet before the storm. Um, but yeah, it's going to be fine. It's all going to be fine. <laughs> We're all going to be okay. We just won't like, have the video on in a couple of weeks' time. We'll just be just, just our voices, just our crackly, yeah. withered voices. <laughs> Uh, all right we will we'll, we'll be back next week hopefully still intact still sane still going at it uh thank you to everyone for watching along and we will see you all next week bye bye see you later. see ya